It's a hockey show for you, the best fans in the AHL. Comets Insider on 94.9 K-Rock. Presented by IBEW Local Union 43, by Hobby Hill Farms, and by Pathfinder Bank. It's time to go top shelf at the 72 Tavern and Grill. It's Rain Man and Scoop. Welcome inside the 72 Tavern and Grill, serving you sports. BOGO wing night, buy one, get one. So what is that? So you buy 10, you get 20. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Scoop, Scoop and Rain here with you on President's Day. Comets last week, uh, Wednesday, a win, 3-2 to two over Laval. Friday, a 3-2 to two loss at Syracuse on the road on Sunday. A little matinee game, 3.05 yesterday, a 3-2 to two loss. Where do they sit in the standings? 10th overall in the American Hockey League. Uh, let me jump to my next page within the North Division. Third place through 53 games, 28-23-2 and two with 61 points. Rochester and Utica neck and neck as of yesterday. A little separation now, unfortunately. And in the Eastern Conference, seventh overall. As Scoop and I welcome center John Stevens. You filled the need when you got here after the trade from Bridgeport. Uh, boy, you knew you were getting in the lineup and you weren't going anywhere. You've seen, you seem to have settled in. Scoop and I have talked about it quite a bit. We uh, also host the pregames uh, prior to every game, and we've just noticed, you know, getting used to some systems at first, but then it's been on, including a goal yesterday, Scoop. Yeah, I think you've uh, fit in nicely so far, but that has to be an adjustment, and it doesn't look, you've done some moving, you know, uh, but there hasn't been a lot of that for you in your career so far. How has that transition to moving from Bridgeport to here been for you? Do you feel like you're getting settled in? Are your teammates really helping you out, uh, acclimating? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely I, I was the first time in my career where I was moved, so I'm going through that. Uh, it was definitely a shock for a bit. Um, you have all, I played there for three years, so I had a lot of good friends there. But, uh, I mean, the guys here have been great and made the transition really smooth. And um, just getting to know the guys, getting to know the systems, it feels like every game you kind of get more and more comfortable with. Uh, who you're playing with and how the team's playing. So um, the guys and the coaches have been great and made that as smooth as possible. What was your first reaction when you found out that they were sending you from Bridgeport to Utica? If there's any swears involved? It's probably shock. You, use you some, know, some, some colorful language, but that's uh, okay, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, yeah, like you said, it's just shock. I mean, uh, um, you're just you're so comfortable in one place, and um, to find out you're moving. Um, but then you're definitely excited when you look at Utica. they got a really good team, and we know that from – I played them three times before coming here. So um, you're excited to be able to get here and, and try to help the team win whatever way you can. You scored against the Comets earlier in the year when you were still yeah. at Bridgeport. Yeah. Who was the goalie then? I think it was Zane. Did, um, yeah. It was the first conversation you guys had? Was Did he look at you and go, yeah, you got me with that one? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I asked Mikey DiPiatro if it was him, and he said, no, that wasn't me, but uh, I haven't mentioned it to Zane yet. <laughs> uh, take us through your goal yesterday. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I was just coming off a change, and uh, Barch and Bucci turned the puck over yep. in the corner, and uh, Barch was able to spin around and find me going to the net right away, and I was able to get a shot and uh, get it by the goal on the short side. What's the main adjustment, first adjustment, that comes to mind that you had to make, switching from obviously probably some different systems in Bridgeport to what color and the boys are doing here? I mean, the team definitely plays a totally different way, kind of more upbeat, uh, um, just systematically a ton different um, and just kind of a little bit faster of a, of a play style. But, um, I mean, like I said, the guys are great. The coaches are great. And it's, it's been a pretty easy transition for me. Who have you clicked with so far? Uh, well, I mean, off the ice, by the way. Off the off ice. The ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of showing you around. Yeah, I mean, uh, they got a lot of uh, great. I mean, Banksy is a great leader. He's been, uh, I mean, 
we hear that constantly. Yeah, he, he's a really, really, really good guy. And I played with Seamus Malone in junior, actually. Um, it was a long time ago now, but um, it's funny to see a familiar face like that. And I knew David Pope a little bit coming in, uh, guys like that. And, I mean, uh, all the guys have been, been, been great. Now that you have made the move from Bridgeport to Utica, how has that maybe affected what your goals are personally as a hockey player this season? Does it change it a lot? or, or I mean, what are you looking to accomplish and achieve? How would you feel good about your season uh, when you look back on it, say, four months from now? Obviously, you'd love to win a Calder Cup and all that. But, like, as a player, your own performance, what do you want to really accomplish this year in Utica? I mean, I... I, I think when you come to a new team, you just want to be able to help in whatever way you can. So um, just keep getting better every game and kind of get back on track here and kind of solidify ourselves in the playoff standings. I think it would be a really, uh, really good year for me and, and for, for the team. So John Stevens, number 16, centerman for Utica Comets with us here. It is Comets Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. Serving you sports here at the 72 Tavern and Grill. You brought up winning a Calder Cup, but John won a Clark Cup back in 2012-2013 with Dubuque, I believe, right? Yeah, and that's where I play with Seamus and Dubuque. We won a Clark Cup together. so feels pretty damn good to win a championship, though. Yeah, I think winning anywhere, is it, it always feels the same. And uh, kind of you get you really want to do it again. It's, it's kind of a big thrill, and it makes you really want to get back there. Do you, you have probably friendships to last a lifetime based out of that experience? Uh, some of the boys that you keep in contact with, uh, first few that come to mind, maybe where they are in the hockey world now. I'd be curious. Uh, yeah, I room with Jeff Taylor. He played at uh, Union. He's in Hartford now. And then yeah. uh, we were uh, one of the other guys really close to was Dylan Gambrell, who plays in uh, um, San Jose. Yeah. And then Matt Benning. I was the best man in his wedding last summer. We played together at school. Um, we were best friends. And I mean, it's funny. It's been such a long time where you lose touch with some of those guys. But whenever our group chats blow up, it, it's like it's like we were just together last weekend it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty funny how that works it's great to have yeah. friendships like that so uh we mentioned mom and dad maybe they'll be listening if not we'll get them a podcast tell us about mom and dad brothers sisters uh and just kind of the home life for the stevens yeah i mean um kind of grew up around the game my dad uh he coached the phantoms and the flyers when i was growing up mm-hmm. and then he was in la um for the last uh nine years i think and then now he's in dallas um so me and my brother both just kind of grew up rink rats always around the rink and just love the game and my mom was taking us all over the country. We were both always playing in it seemed like different cities. So she was um, she was amazing at just getting us from place to place and uh, really helping us out like that. And my brother still plays now. He's over in San Antonio um, playing with San Luis's farm team. With the Rampage, yeah. Yeah. So, See, now, I would have assumed, being from Springfield, Mass., you grew up a Bruins fan. Is that true? Or given your experience with hockey all over the place and your dad, maybe that's not the case. Maybe yeah. gravitated to another well, team. Yeah, I was born in Springfield, but I grew up my whole life in uh, South Jersey, right outside of Philly. So um, my dad was always working the Flyers organization, so we kind of grew up Flyers fans. And then from there, it was kind of just wherever my dad was um, in the game, kind of a fan of that team. So then who were the guys that you idolized as a kid growing up? Uh, well, I mean, Mike Richards, he came out a junior when my dad, he had him with the Phantoms, then he had him with the Flyers, and he was, uh, yeah, I mean, he was always my favorite player. I always wore 18 uh, growing up because I just loved watching him play. He was definitely my favorite player. So you've you kind of had a charmed hockey life in a sense with your dad working in the game. So as a very young kid, I assume there was some interactions with some of the biggest names in hockey over, say, the last, well, you're 25, so 20, let's say 20 years with your your recollections or your memories who are some of them that made an impression on you um 
with the players that my dad had coached. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like when you were a kid, let's say you're eight years old and your mom's taking you around and uh, maybe you go see dad at work type of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Who are some of the guys or some of the players that just left a mark on you that, I mean, for whatever reason? Yeah, I mean, uh, um, well, I mean, Richards and Carter, they were, they were both young guys and they were there. But just, I mean, being able to watch those guys, because they were like kids when they came in and just like how they... Yeah. Um, going to watch them grow up together. I think uh, they probably made a huge, I guess, they're the two names that pop right to mind when I think of the, uh, those Flyers teams. And maybe some guys from some other organizations that might have filtered through the, the locker room or in the hallway maybe you saw. Anybody? Yeah, I mean, they were playing the uh, Penguins all the time, so there was that big rivalry with Crosby and Malkin, and, and those games were always a lot of fun. I mean, Pronger came in there. Yeah. Um, they had some Giroux was coming up. Um, some some really uh, notable players that came through that organization when we were growing up. Did you get some cool pictures with some of those guys? Yeah, we used to. I mean, we, we, me and my brother were young. We used to get our cards signed. That's what I mean, yeah. So we'd wait in the hallway, and we'd always get the visiting team, uh, get their card signed. And then when Gretzky was coaching with the Oilers, I ended up getting a Gretzky jersey signed oh, uh, wow. by him. So, I mean, that's probably that was probably my biggest one that I got. Yeah, that's kind of where I was looking for okay, you to name yeah. drop a little bit, stuff yeah. like that. That is That's fantastic. No, I yeah. would, I'd have that in probably my front door of my house if something yeah. like that happened. So with your dad's affiliation with the Flyers and you making the move here, did dad reach out and tell a Rob Esch story or, like, just kind of acknowledge the fact, oh, yeah, Rob, with the Flyers, yeah. Yeah, no, he didn't say much. Kind of just obviously knows him from the Flyers. I mean, he was the Flyers goalie when I was growing up, so I remember, yeah. remember watching him play. Uh, yeah. You ever, we got to get him in pads, see if you can score on him now. I bet you could. Yeah. I bet you I could score on Rob now. You think so? Yeah. No. No. I don't know. No, I don't know. absolutely not. He this might is... take that as a challenge. It might be a little tougher than you imagine. It would be far more entertaining for you to watch than yeah. for me to attempt. Uh, it's Comets Insider here with 94.9 K Rock, and we're chatting with John Stevens. You went to Northeastern. Uh, tell us about that experience in college. Four seasons, by the way. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it there. I mean, uh, once you, once you're around Boston, that's it, such a great city. And um, college hockey is just so huge. Was Sauce yeah. a Northeastern guy there. too? Sauce, Colton Sauce, man. Yeah, yeah. Sauce is. I played with Sauce for three years there. Um, I mean, we, we had a lot of we had a really uh, fun group of guys, and we had some success there. So, um, I, I absolutely loved my time. Not a bad word to say about my experience in Northeastern. What about uh, when you finally signed with the Islanders organization? Uh, take us through the process of that and how that came about for you. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, these, uh, we we lost to BU that year. I mean, your season, especially in college, you lose a playoff series. It kind of just like any season just ends. It seems like out of nowhere, and then uh, kind of trying to sort out your next move at that point. And, um, and then talks with a couple teams, but it ended up the Islanders were uh, had some interest and wanted to sign me and. I went there and played like nine or ten games uh, out of school to get a taste of the American League, and which was great because I kind of knew what to go home in the summer and what to expect coming back the next year. Yeah, I'm wondering. I, we always like to find that out. So w- after that initial introduction to the pro game, obviously there's differences. What were a couple of the keys that, that you know, John Stevens went home and said, I got to work on this, this, and this and get better. What were they? I mean, you guys are all so smart and so strong. I mean, the uh, I think the, the corner battles guys are heavier and they're just smarter and stronger. So I'm um, just trying to get like keep getting faster, get stronger, and kind of be ready for that strength and um, that just the day to day grind of the pro game. I mean, I came out of college, you play like 30 games, and I went to Bridgeport and played nine, ten games in three weeks. Yeah, just a lot more taxing, a lot more, a lot heavier load on the body for sure. You know, it's funny in uh, the Trent Cole show, uh, which is on the hour before we hit the air here. He had talked about getting in the dirty areas 
and the soft skills within the game. And I think that's something that they always push more and more on the program. We hear that from every single guy that we talk to. It kind of sounds like what you're alluding to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, just getting to all those areas where you're going to score is just that much harder. I find the guys are stronger. Guys are boxing you out more. Uh, puck battles are that much more important. Um, so, yeah, yeah all, those, all those little things are definitely a step higher. Tell the average Utica Comet hockey fan who's probably never been to Bridgeport <laughs> what the experience is like to play there, the fan base. Uh, I'm sure you've got some good memories. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, they've it's actually a cool area it's, we all live right along the long island sound so um you end up living in these houses on the water it's, it's a really cool spot to live and uh i mean it's a first class organization like great coaches really really good guys there and um we never drew overly well like the games here are a lot more energy in the crowd i mean we definitely had some loyal fans but um it's kind of a big ring so it's definitely empty some nights um but it's just, i think the the gameplay over there is a lot different because there's a lot more three and threes you're playing like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. I think over here, right, we only had one all year. I think in Bridgeport, we had 11. Holy moly. Every, yeah, almost every weekend you're playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's tough. Yeah, there's a, the travel, especially where geographically Utica is located with Rochester and Syracuse and, and even Binghamton. There's a lot of even a lot of road trips. You're back home in your own bed. Yeah. It, more days to practice, too. Is that something that you've noticed since you've been here? Uh, yeah, it was the same in Bridgeport. We played a lot of weekends, so we had a lot of like, time during the week, full weeks to practice. Kind of yeah. practice two days, get a day off, and get another day before the game. So, um, and I think that division too is pretty similar. Like we're within, we had three teams under two hours we could travel to, and then the Pennsylvania teams are all pretty close. It's just yeah. Charlotte that you would fly to. Yeah, so not too bad. So it's not let, too bad. Let me take you back to training camp. Was there ever a guy named Brendan Burke milling about? Do you know Brendan? Uh, no, I don't. So Brennan's the current voice of the Islanders in uh, for Madison Square Garden Network. He okay. was the initial broadcaster for the first three years here. I was just wondering if perhaps he was there sitting around in practice keeping his eye he's, on things. He's well acquainted with the Islanders and their, their farm teams. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah uh, we, uh, we stay in contact with him, and, okay. and we'll see a lot of tweets, and he's just on top of everything. I find myself almost a default Islanders fan, and I'm a... I'm a yeah. I'm a, like a born and raised Rangers fan, so oh, wow. but I find myself watching a lot of Islanders hockey because of our relationship with him. I was wondering maybe next year you might run across him. Tell him we said hello. Okay, you'll never remember that. That's <laughs> yeah. totally cool. John Stevens is with us here. It's Utica Comets Insider Rain and Scoop on ninety four point nine K Rock. So John Stevens started out with Dubuque, uh, then of course eventually moves through Northeastern, and the entry level contract with the Islanders brought him to a trade here. Um, I guess I just I just want to know what your experiences are like off the ice around Utica as you've been getting adjusted. We had asked, you know, the adjustments on the ice, getting to know some systems, playing the more up-tempo style. You said Carter Banks is somebody who you kind of gravitated to. Where are they taking you, and, and what do you think of Utica outside of playing hockey here? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a cool old town. I mean, I mean, it's awesome how loyal and how passionate the fans are here. I mean, yeah. it definitely gives you a lot more energy when you're coming to the rink. Um, where have they taken you or told you to go, or where have you found some downtown, maybe a movie or anything like that? Yeah, we, we caught a couple of movies. Uh, what, is it New Hartford? There's a theater over there. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I saw uh, The Gentleman. The, 
the new one uh, la- last week, two it, weeks ago. Nothing to do with uh, Justin Bailey and his nickname <laughs> that he got for a while there. It's a different gentleman. <laughs> different gentleman, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's, uh, there's a lot of great opportunities, too, with some injuries and some guys getting called up. We'll talk about that and so much more next as we'll return. John Stevens is going to hang with us, number 16, a center on your Utica Comets on Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. Let's go Comets! Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill. Back to Rayman and Scoop on Comets Insider. You K-Rock! 94.9 K-Rock. It is BOGO Wings Night here at the 72 Tavern and Grill where they are serving you sports. And our guest tonight, John Stevens. If you've missed any of the conversation so far, we're going to have it podcasted after the broadcast. All our social media links at K-Rock CNY, Facebook, and Twitter, of course. Wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, Google, we'll have it there as, as well. Uh, John Stevens joining us, uh, a new Comet, and with a lot of hockey in the family. I'm curious, with your dad's hockey career as a kid, what was the coolest thing regarding his hockey career that you got to share with him? The coolest accomplishment or maybe the coolest moment, the, the most fun thing you got to do? You were around the rink a lot. Maybe there was a big win, a big moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been fortunate to have. I mean, they had a couple. I and mean, when I was uh, too young to remember, they won a Calder Cup when he was playing in, with the Phantoms. And then in 04, 05, they ended up, he was coaching and they won the Calder Cup. Uh, and that was the year of the lockout. So in Philly, it was yeah. like just Phantoms hockey. And it was every game they were playing at the Flyers rink and it was sold out, purple rain. The whole crowd was purple. Oh, wow. And all of our family was coming in for the finals. They ended up sweeping the Wolves and. Um, won the Calder Cup, so that was awesome. And then in L.A., he won two Stanley Cups as well, so was able to be there for the first one. And, I mean, that was just such a cool experience, being able to witness that firsthand. In, in, in what a small world the hockey world is, uh, another former broadcaster for the Comets named Alex Faust is now the yeah. voice he's of— a, He's a Northeastern guy. Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah he's a North, he did uh, basketball. It, it's funny. He texts me one day, and he goes, I'm doing basketball. Can you read, like, the radio, like the voices that you hear coming back in from the commercial breaks? He had, I was actually the voice of that a few years ago. You probably okay. heard it and didn't know it. <laughs> no, yeah, I yeah, probably did. It was, yeah. probably, it was probably three, four seasons ago. I think he would have been, still been there at that point. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. really weird. Uh, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah, it is a and he got to share the booth with Snoop Dogg at a Kings game, so it, that's not yeah, too shabby. That's sweet. It is yeah. a small hockey world, man. It's just fantastic. I want to ask, if I describe one of your goals to you, I bet you could probably tell me. Do you remember them, or do they become a blur after a while? I mean, I haven't scored a ton lately, so I'll probably remember it. Okay, then I'm going to <laughs> test this. Uh, is week 10 days ago, you, you, you slapped one over-the-top shoulder postage stamp do you remember that goal in Laval? Yeah, I think yeah. it was against Laval. Yeah. Maybe in the last week to ten days. Yeah, uh, talk to me about that goal because I remember we were looking at the. I remember saying to you, "Did you see? Did you see John Stevens' goal? That thing was a thing of beauty." Uh, yeah. There's certain that you got to remember a little bit more than others. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you laid into that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, Blanker made a nice play on the wall, and I was I was able to get a two-one break and um, yeah, kind of had a lot of room, so I was able to kind of get around it and get a good shot off there. Yeah, it was a, it was a real nice thing to see. It's just been nice to see after the the transition to the new team to see you really start to heat up and, and click with some of your line mates. I would ask, you know, who are some of them that you've just had a an easier time than others there's just maybe like a natural chemistry who of you do you feel you've worked well and maybe with? you and, and maybe off the ice i know a lot of the guys they like they play video games and stuff have you are you a video game guy did you get into that do you hang out with the guys 
and do that? Um, I, I used to play a lot of video games. I haven't played much, uh, much anymore. We were actually fishing a ton in Bridgeport, so I kind of I stopped playing video games. We were fishing all the time. But, yeah, there's uh, some different options there okay. than there are here for entertainment <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, but I mean. The schedule we've had here is we've had a ton of games, so it's kind of like you're at the rank, you play, you go home, rest, and you, it's you, business. You're like, still getting settled yeah. into that. Um, so I mean, yeah, you definitely hang out with the guys once in a while, but uh, we're at the rank for a while, and then kind of go home. And um, I was at the hotel for a while too, so we kind of just hanging out with the guys that were in the hotel. So some movies here and there, you know, absolutely, yeah. So uh, we had the win on Wednesday against Lavelle, and then a couple of losses this weekend. How do you feel? Uh, the team's playing overall. Assess the positives and maybe some of the negatives and things that you got to clean up a little bit in practice, or maybe what's uh, which color been telling you guys to focus on? I mean, I think it's obvious. The last couple of games, it's been our start. We keep uh, kind of yeah. digging a hole and letting ourselves kind of get behind early, and then we, we, we make a push late, and we only we, two games in a row, we've almost come back. But uh, it's it's hard night in night out if you're trying to play from behind all the time. So. Um, but I think we're, we're confident. We know we're a good team. If we can just kind of be a little more consistent, come out of the gates a little stronger, I think we'll be fine. I think he nailed it, Scoop. That's kind of the thing that we've been talking about for the for the past handful of games. Yeah, uh, different uh, division and everything now. You're, pro- you're getting a, a look at some new teams a little more often now. Yeah. Um, Belleville on Friday night and Rochester. And, and earlier in this year, before you got here, uh, one of the things that was a common refrain among guys that we would talk to from the comments was that, boy, at Rochester, uh, they're pretty good. They're going to be there at the end, and uh, they're a solid team. What are you seeing from some of the teams that we are battling with here in the north? I mean, the biggest thing I see is that the division's really deep and it's really strong. It seems like every team you play is a really good team. Um, I think Belleville, Belleville's really good. Obviously, Rochester's really good. Yeah. And Syracuse is a tough team. They always play you hard. Um, but I think definitely Roch and, and Belleville are two teams to watch out for. I think Belleville, we didn't have to deal with Drake Batherson until the last game. You yeah, know? That's right. He was, he's been he was in up Ottawa, for a while. You know, and so the trade deadline's approaching on the 24th for the NHL, and I'm sure you've seen that in, in, your, in your time in this league. All of a sudden, it, it, could, it could change things on the roster. You never know who's going to make what moves. Uh, how does the team... Does the team focus on that as you're leading up to? I mean, it's the 24th. What's today? The 17th. So we got about a week to go before that happens. Is that something that guys are conscious of in the locker room, or do you just you just put it over there because it's out of your control? I wonder, or maybe your mindset might be different than other guys. I don't know if you've noticed anything of that. I'd be curious. Yeah, I mean, in my past experiences, guys don't really put too much attention to it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's certain cases where guys kind of might have a feeling that they might be traded, so maybe they're thinking about it a little more, but. Um, when it comes to the rank, it's never really been much of a uh, of a topic of conversation. I mean, it's always fun to watch, and if you see how the pieces fall into place, but you don't really worry uh, too much about what happens with your team until it, it actually happens. Yeah, you can't get too far ahead of yourself. No. Uh, are you guys keeping an eye on Zach and uh, Justin, for example, the most recent call-ups to the Canucks? Do guys uh, monitor what they're doing, or do you once again just stay focused on the task at hand for you guys, and that's your next game, which is obviously Friday against Belleville, actually? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I think everyone likes to pay attention. I know, like, for me, whenever, like, guys come from here to go up, you're always curious at how they're doing. You're hoping they do well, so I'm always checking the box scores and tuning into the game if I can. It's tough with the van games, though. They're pretty late. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we were asking. Uh, Jonah was in last week with us, and we were asking about because Zach had gotten in a fight. And we were asking if everybody saw that and if yeah. anybody was talking about it. Did you guys catch that fight? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's 
topic of discussion the next day as soon as everybody comes in. So what did everybody say about it? He did. He held his own. The, the, yeah. the punch tracker was was a draw. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? The hockey night in Canada punch. Yeah, tracker. it was a good fight too. I mean, that guy was tough. Yeah. Did yeah. you did you catch uh, did you catch his move off the boards? By yeah, the way, yeah, that, that video has been going around. The boys see that one too. I haven't seen that's that. From, no. That's from yesterday, I believe. We yeah. got to try to dig that out of the Twitter okay. timeline during the commercial break, and and we'll show that to you. So, what is the focus uh, for Belleville? On Friday, or is it with the day off today, getting back into practice? I'm assuming there's a skate tomorrow. Is it just is it refining systems and making sure you guys are good to go before you move on to looking at what Belleville's doing, or is it kind of a combination of both moving forward? Yeah, I think with this much time to prepare, it's kind of rare. So I mean, you kind of want to clean up whatever the coaches feel kind of was slipping on the weekend. And I think at this point in the season, everyone kind of knows the systems by now. It's kind of just cleaning up a little, couple little things, and then. Towards the end of the week, you're starting to prepare for what Pell is going to do uh, specifically. You know, it's funny. A couple of years ago, too, you remember with uh, all the – I think it was really part of last season. A lot of injuries, a lot of call-ups, ton of PTOs. And it was funny. We we would uh, we had Coach call on a few times, and he was literally 60 games into the season teaching systems. What a breath of yeah. fresh air for him to just be able to do exactly what you said, John, and just work on some of the details of the game. But you don't – you're not really reteaching, okay, this is how we do this. This is how we do that. What a difference a year makes, huh? I'm curious, what is the best advice you've received over the course of your hockey career? I'm, I might imagine your dad gave you some of that advice, something that somebody said to you that kind of sets a tone for how you play and how you approach the game. Um, yeah, I mean, influencer hockey-wise, definitely my dad's my, my biggest influencer. I mean, he's always there if I, I got a question or just, just want some advice, but... Um, Growing up, our, my mom would actually, uh, my dad couldn't come to many games because he was coaching, obviously. So she would video all me and my brother's games. And we, when we come home, we would always be so excited to watch our shifts with, with my dad. So I think just doing that growing up kind of gave me and my brother both a good sense of the game. You kind of, you, I mean, you don't really watch your shifts as an eight-year-old much, but it kind of like, allows you to learn so much more at that age. So I think that um, just allowed me to kind of learn the game and respect the details in the game and, and try to play like a well-rounded 200-foot game. I've kind of focused on that my whole my whole life. So. so he would come home from the rink from his game and then sit down with you guys and go over the video of your game. Yeah, we would have the That's cool. camera all set up. Yeah, it was old school too because if you wanted to rewind, you had to go to the camera and rewind it on the camera. It was uh, Okay, it was all right. Some of me and my brother both love. We really look forward to it. So Does he still do it with you? Uh, I mean, he's busy now, but uh, he definitely always um, he, he's he loves watching our game. Him and my mom both. So probably the occasional little bit of this and that about the, that team or what you did here on that shift or that other shift. Yeah, I mean, if if I want to ask for advice, he's always there. But I mean, he more just wants to hear like how I thought I played and how the game went. Uh, I mean, he's a big fan of me and my me and my brother both. Him and my mom. So we got a video today. They're both out back watching bar games. They're the day off in Dallas. So oh, that's, that's awesome. Spend the day off. Yeah, appreciate the time today, John. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, John Stevens. Uh, nice enough to join us here on Utica. Comments Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. We'll come right back with the voice, Joe Roberts, and uh, we'll talk about the past few games. Hang on. Utica. Let's do that hockey. Utica Comments Insider. Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill on 94.9 K-Rock. And now our Comets Insider grind line with Rain Man the Rocket, Scoop the Cement Head, and play-by-play voice, Joe Cujo Roberts. 
I still don't know how I became the Rocket. You're not really a cement head, but we are here together. Yeah, I'm a cement head. The host of Utica Comets Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. Uh, President's Day. I don't know if that means much to the voice Joe Roberts because he's probably tired. we got to let him get to bed. I bet you bedtime is about 8.30 now, so we're keeping him up pretty late. Joe, welcome. First thing I'm going to ask you is to talk a little bit about John Stevens that we just got done interviewing for the better part of a half an hour. And we'll start with how he has acclimated and slowly he's gotten settled and you're really starting to see some great performance out of him. He scored yesterday, for example. Yeah, three goals already now as a, as a comment. I thought we had Joe. I think maybe we don't have Joe. Do we not have Joe uh, on the board? Is it... We're, we're wondering. There, wait, there, I, there, so, I, there I hear the phone line. Now, can you, can you hear me now, Joe? I got you guys. How are you doing tonight? Uh, did, good, you, good. did you catch the question? I did not. I'm sorry. Okay, then I'll back up and I'll give it to you again. So we just got done for the better part of a half an hour talking to John Stevens. Seems to have settled in. You're seeing some production out of him. Scored yesterday. Uh, just uh, assess what you've seen with him overall since the trade from Bridgeport. We had a nice time talking to him. Uh, but just give us, give us your opinion on John Stevens. Uh, a solid two-way centerman who kills penalties and who adds uh, quite a bit of value to the team in exchange for a player that didn't appear to be sort of in the cards uh, in Dylan Sadoe. So um, when you give up what feels like nothing from an AHL perspective to get a guy who has been in the lineup and has been uh, an important part of the lineup since coming over to Utica, then you like to think that you were uh, clearly the winner in the trade. So uh, no reason not to like it. He's a nice kid, and uh, he's gotten gotten into the swing of things, and he's been put in a whole bunch of different situations. And, um, you know, the goal scoring is a product of his hard work and being in the right place at the right time. So I've really enjoyed getting to watch him play, and um, what he's added to the team has been spectacular in a time of need, right, when centermen's are, are uh, sort of a hot commodity and uh, the team is dealing with some injuries and call-ups, et cetera. So good timing for that. Maybe being a, a new father has prepared you for this and, and maybe numbed you to some extent, given that you're probably to some degree sleep deprived. But we've had six one goal games in a row and the fifth consecutive game that the Comets have allowed a goal within the opening five minutes. So we're playing from behind. We keep coming back. You know, I keep thinking, poor Joe, it would be nice if they would take it easy on him and get out to like a 3 nothing lead and coast. But, you know, no such luck for Mr. Roberts. That's right. Yeah, I wish I could pop her in cruise control here a little bit. But uh, they're, they're may- everybody's out there working harder than their paychecks. So, um, you know what, I, I guess I didn't even realize that it was six straight one-goal games. Uh, I did know that it was, yeah, five in a row, surrendering a goal in the first three minutes. And that's obviously not a – not a good situation. Uh, the team uh, hasn't appeared to be ready uh, off the hit. And so, um, you know, easy to say from the broadcast booth. So um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. I'm sure it's something that will be a focal point this week because uh, with Belleville being alone game this week, uh, there shouldn't be any sort of lack of jump. And, and if you have a lack of jump against Belleville, 
Um, you know, if you think Syracuse and Rochester can jump all over you, Belleville is a whole different animal. So, um, you know, you got to make sure that the first couple of minutes you get through unscathed and then take it from there. Because if you look at the second half of last night's game, I thought the comments settled in and looked pretty good. Um, you know, it took them until the third period to get going in Syracuse, which is, uh, you know, definitely too little too late. So um, I think a, a quick start's important, um, even if it's a sort of bend, don't break in the first 5, 10, 15 minutes of the game on Friday, Michael Longway. Joe Roberts here with us, the voice of the Utica Comets. It is Insider from the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. You are the host, co-host of the Trent Cull Show, which airs on the brother station ESPN Utica Rome from 6 to 7 on Mondays. And then you're nice enough to take this phone call with us about a half an hour later over on the brother station K-Rock. But one of the things discussed during the Trent Cull Show tonight, he had commented on soft skills on the team as compared to getting into the dirty areas. I want you to kind of explain that to everybody and give them more of a breakdown from your conversation. Well, I think that he wants his team to be uh, a little more good, you know, and and sort of get things done uh, on second, third, and fourth opportunities. I think what happened in Rochester specifically was that it was just too much one and done and for a netminder. You know, on Friday against Syracuse and you're dealing with Scott Wedgwood, you know he's a guy – who, uh, you know, it's going to require multiple chances to try to beat him. Uh, as far as Yuko Pekka Lukanen, I think his name was, it's a bit of a mouthful, but uh, fun to say. You know, he was a guy who just wasn't, I don't think he was tested enough, um, and I don't think the Comets put as many shots on net as they probably would have liked in the last couple of games. So um, I think what he's looking for is is more opportunities to follow up. I mean, look at the goals that were given up. Um, mainly against Rochester, all three, I think, if I remember, were from in front of the goal and were second-chance opportunities. And I, and I know the backbreaker in Syracuse was as well. So, um, you know, making sure that on both sides of the ice you're getting things done in front of your own net or in front of the opposition's net and uh, creating multiple chances, I, I think, was one of the big messages. That all said... It still seems, given what's happened over the last six games with one-goal games, it still seems the Comets have a bad period or maybe two that aren't what they'd hope they would be. You've got Sven Berchi, you've got Reed Boucher, you've got Nikolai Goldobin, who can turn that around in a, a flash of the stick blade. And we saw, we did see that over the past couple of games, Joe, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean, I guess uh, to speak completely candidly, um, I'm not sure if we deserve to play in a couple of one goal games the way that we did. Uh, certainly not in Syracuse, and that's a you got to tip the hat to Mikey DiPietro uh, in that game. And I think on Sunday, to an extent too. I think in, on Sunday in Rochester, the comments needed less time to get going. For the Syracuse game, it took 40 minutes, and and uh, I think in the Rochester game, it took closer to 30. So I think that 10 minute gap or 10 minute difference was uh, really what sort of changed a, a couple of things in that game, but. Um, I would say that, yeah, it's it's just sort of a, a situation where if you can even make those one-goal games against skilled teams, it means that you're a resilient bunch. So this team is not just going to sort of lay down and take its lashings. I, I think they're going to step up here. And I, I think that as you see Vancouver continue to get healthy, I, I think that'll happen on a day-to-day basis. You'll see the comments get retooled. And um, when they get retooled, it means you can – maybe consider talking about getting guys like Breezer back and Bailey back. And then uh, when the injuries clear up to Sautner and Hamilton, et cetera, then all of a sudden you're looking at a, a, a you know, a beefier lineup that can bring a lot more to the table. So um, I think weathering the storm here over the next couple might be key. 
And uh, fortunately, as far as timing goes, to have such a light work month of February, um, it's kind of perfect um, as far as perfect can be for uh, hitting a little bit of a rough patch. Joe, 100th goal, a milestone for Nikolai Galdobin. Uh, we have guys like Sven Berchi. Uh There's also another way the Comets could be could be retooled. We've seen it affect this team in years past. The NHL trade line, something uh, we brought up to John Stevens that I'm probably going to bring up to Corey Hergott in our next segment, but it's a week away, and, and you never know what could happen. I'm not saying you know anything, but th- there's a possibility that Vancouver decides they figure out something to do with Sven Berchi, for example, or another bona fide NHL player in Nikolai Galdobin. Uh, do you have any concerns of those guys being moved, or or what are your thoughts regarding that? I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's painfully a part of the game, um, and you know, teams in the AHL are usually um, uh, the ones who are getting pillaged the most when it comes to trade deadlines and, and deals at the NHL level, because a lot of times you have nothing to really show for it in a, in a number of situations. And I think one of the big ones is, what was it, Carcone for Levo last year? And all of a sudden the Comets lost Carcone, who was like a perennial 20-goal scorer and uh, had nothing to show for it. So um, I, I, I hope, I hope uh, you know, that uh, Vancouver stays put for Utica's sake. Um, but if they end up making some moves, uh, I'll also hope that um, it's exclusively at the NHL level and that it doesn't have that sort of trickle-down effect, which is uh, oh so common during this time of year. Michael Furland uh, was concussed, uh, left the game the other day. Last thing we'll ask you about tonight, Joe, is... Just uh, sad to see uh, that we, we asked you about it on pregame the other day, but I, I think the Utica Comets Insider audience might want to hear, on a personal level, just it, it's a crap thing to see. It's garbage. You don't want to see that for somebody. Yeah, it sucks. Um, there's no other way to describe it, you know, uh, and I don't know the details other than, um, you know, there were concussion-like symptoms and he was held out as a precaution. He took, what, three or four shifts in that game against Syracuse. So that's all I know. Um, but uh, what I did like is that, you know, obviously that's something that was going to uh, garner a lot of attention on Twitter, et cetera, and open up a whole conversation, and it did. But for the most part, I was I was sort of – happy with mankind, which can get pretty deep and dark and twisted uh, on Twitter uh, all too often. I was happy that mankind was really taking uh, more of the stance of, hey, let's make sure this guy's like, okay, he's got a life, he's got a family, he's got um, something outside of hockey. So, um, you know, I don't know what his status is for this year or into the future. Again, concussion-like symptoms come out as a precaution. That's all I know. But the fact of the matter is, is that people are sort of, uh, he's got a history of it. I'm rooting for the guy to get healthy and playing and, and making sure that he feels right. But again, like listening to your body is so critical. Um, not overexerting yourself when something doesn't feel right. Um, I said it to you guys in pregame show, if something's not right, speak up, sit out. Uh, it's not cool to play through a head injury when you think there even might be any sort of potential for one. So, uh, you know, he made the right decision for his life and for his career. And uh, we'll just sort of see how things unfold there. Joe, thanks for the time. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you very soon. As always, the incomparable voice of the Utica Comets, the one and only Joe Roberts. Scoop's going to bring us back. We've got Corey Hergott from Canucks Army next at 94.9 K-Rock. Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill for Comets Insider, it's Rain Man and Scoop.
that's what they do, and it is Comets Insider, a weekly occurrence here Monday nights, 7 p.m. If you miss any of the broadcast, get the podcast afterwards. Google, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. John Stevens was our guest earlier. New to the Comets, a Bridgeport Sound Tiger earlier in this season. And joining us now from Canucks Army, the one, the only, Corey Hergott. Good evening. What are we Corey. doing today, fellas? We're doing good. So I don't I don't know if the we had some technical difficulties. Before we even ask a question, I do have to thank our engineer, chief engineer. We'll just use a nickname T back for definitely a kick saving a beauty and getting us back up and running. That was amazingly quick how fast he did that. <laughs> so that being said, I, I want to address actually um, the the Syracuse Utica game and specifically the third star you had given out to Trent Cole and the coaching staff. And I know you're a huge fan over on the brother station of what Joe and Trent have been doing with the Trent Cole show. But you, you had mentioned the coaching staff go all in with three forwards and a defender uh, who rarely sees PK time. I'm reading your words back to you in an effort to pull out a goal. It's not something that you see from this. You've seen it from this group before. And you like the outside of the box thinking on that one. Maybe something to do moving forward and talk about that, Corey. Well, I just like the fact that the coaching staff is willing to try different things. I mean, they really, like I said, they didn't have a whole lot to lose at that point in the game. Uh, I was thrilled to see Cole Lind out late on, uh, on a penalty kill as well. That's not something that we've seen uh, from this coaching staff either uh, this year. Uh, we've seen Cole out there in the dying seconds of a penalty kill in mop-up duty just to get, you know, kind of get him a little bit of experience there. But, uh, you know, he was sent over the boards with Reed Boucher uh, to go out there and kill a penalty. And, and you know, that's the, the coaching staff showing a little bit more trust in that player, which is good. And, and uh, you know, going with three forwards and a defenseman who's who's normally not on the PK that's just uh, it's it's showing that the, the coaching staff isn't just going to sit on their hands and, and let a lead slip away or, or let a game sorry slip away from them. They're going to do everything they can to try to get back into it, and sometimes that just means doing something a little bit unconventional. And the fact that that they're willing to do that, I, I felt that was definitely worthy of a star in that game. There wasn't a whole lot else uh, <laughs> going on for that one for me. I recall one instance last year where they went five forwards on a power play. I forget the game, but every once in a while you'll see Trent Call pull a wrinkle out just like that. Comets Corey Hergott with Canucks Army with us here on Utica Comets Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. Corey, I'm curious, given what has happened since we last talked with regards to Vancouver Canucks and injuries and the impending trade deadline, some of the up and down you could see happening between Utica and Vancouver and possible transactions. We know we've got Sven Berchi as a guy who they would move. His agent has asked for a move. Uh, but maybe he fits up there now, given some things that have happened. What's your current view of that scenario? Well, my current view of the trade deadline, uh, I'm going to be a little bit selfish here and, and say that, uh, you know, I want to make sure that uh, the, the Canucks are on top of things this year and get guys papered down to Utica in time so that we don't have uh, a scenario where you've got players who could have been helping the team in a playoff stretch drive and not being allowed to play. Uh, you know, that said, if if they keep Zach McEwen and, and Justin Bailey and Guillaume Brisebois up there the rest of the way and they get into playoff action, 
uh, that's fantastic for all of those players as well. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword on that side uh, for me, especially with McEwen. I'd love to see him up there and stay up there as an NHL player the rest of the year. And at the same time, man, I'd love to see him back in Utica helping this team down the, uh, you know, I think all but five of their remaining games for the Comets are against uh, division rivals in a playoff stretch drive in a division where it's so, so tight. So the more bodies they can have back, the better. Uh, but as far as who could be on the move, uh, Sven Berchi could be on the move. Nikolai Goldobin could be on the move. There's any number of players that could end up being, uh, you know, kind of added to a deal to sweeten a package for another team. The Canucks are kind of in that mode right now where you could almost see Jim Benning thinking his team has a good chance at a, at a good playoff run this year. And if that's the case, he, he could very well start moving, uh, you know, moving some bodies around to try to uh, make his team better for the playoffs. And, you know, sadly that could include a, like a younger player who uh, we want to see sticking around and Utica could, could end up on the move as a sweetener in a package. But uh we're a week away from that, and that just means we have a whole week to uh, to wonder what could be. Corey, um, are you referring to a certain goalie at the end of last year who didn't get sent back down here amongst a couple of other players that could have helped out that really still bothers me because I wonder what could have, should have been with Thatcher Demko in goal in the playoffs for the Comets because that would have changed things drastically. Well, we would have had to make the playoffs. Boy, well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I think at the point in the season there was a chance – where they could have sent him down and could have helped for the strength, the stretch run there, and it just kind of never happened. And I know well, it was his time, they, and I know that he earned it. It's just, oh, because I guess I'm being selfish too. Even if they could have gotten Luke Shen and Ashton Saunter back at the end of last season, that would have been a, a night day difference for their, uh, their little stretch drive there that could have made the world a difference for their playoff run. Those were two pretty big pieces when they ended up going up to Vancouver. So, uh you know that, like I said, it would be nice uh, if if we see those paper transactions happen this year, so that the you know the Comets have every opportunity if they make the playoffs to uh, go in there and make some noise. I think this team could uh, they they could go all the way if they uh, if they're healthy. They they definitely have uh, some pieces to make it happen. How about these slow start scoop? Yeah, we've been talking a little bit about that tonight. Uh, you've got five straight games now where the Comets have given up a goal in the first five minutes. Six consecutive games that have been one-goal games. And that said, even after, in some cases, a bad 20 minutes of hockey or a bad 40 minutes of hockey, you've got Reed Boucher, Nikolai Goldobin, and Sven Berchi, who seem to be able to will this team to a goal and, and make it a game again in the third period. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we've, we've seen this team in the past. They, they do have the horses there to get the job done. They have the firepower. You know, they, they've certainly got players on the roster right now that could be taking up a, a roster spot on an NHL team with Berchi and, and Goldobin to a little bit lesser degree. But those are guys that uh, can certainly help the team turn things around in a game where, where they've uh, given up a lead or they've gone down early. The thing is, like you say, though, they, they need to stop going down early. There's For some reason, this team has had a tough time uh, being ready to play right off the bat in the last handful of games. I don't know if the coaching staff wants to, uh, you know, screw around with them a little bit and tell them the game starts at uh, 6.30 instead of 7. And maybe that'll get things going for them a little sooner. I'm, I'm not too sure, but... Uh, Something needs to change because they can't just keep, uh, you know, playing from behind. You, you've got a, a young goalie there, Mikey Di Pietro. He's playing fantastic this year, but 
if he keeps losing one goal games, uh, you know, I know he's really good at sloughing off a, a bad goal or, or sloughing off a loss, but when you're a goalie and you keep losing one goal games, when you're standing on your lid, uh, it can get a little bit frustrating. So hopefully he can keep that part of his, uh, his mental aspect in check because I really, really like what Mikey DiPietro's done this year in Utica. Corey, give us your assessment of John Stevens, our star of the first half an hour of the show, known as Utica Comets Insider, from the time he got here to where he is now. Well, I think it's uh, you're looking at a guy who's had some injury issues in the last couple of years, and uh, because of that, I think he's always kind of been just a little bit behind the eight ball. And uh, we've seen him come in uh, to Utica here. I think he's got nine po- or six points in his last nine games. Uh, you know, that's a guy that's starting to figure out the offensive side of the game with his line mates that he's got right now. Uh, defensively, he's strong. He's been great on the penalty kill. He skates well. I think he's a little bit better playmaker than I thought he was. And uh, he's got a pretty good shot. So, I mean, he's a guy that I, I, I really would like to see the, you know, the Comets do what they can to bring him back for next year if, if they can bring him back and have him as a, a centerman who can be in that kind of second or third line center role and, and hold down a spot there and be reliable uh, on the defensive side of things while chipping in some offense I think he could be kind of a, a found money sort of a guy for the Comets they didn't get give up a ton to get him and uh, he's, he's uh, showing as a guy that could you know maybe be a bit of a leader on this team as well down the road Corey, you're a gem. Thanks, as always, for the time. Have a great rest of your night, okay? We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, fellas. Utica Comets Insider from the 72 Tavern is every single Monday night from 7 to 8. Last word always goes to Scoop on 94.9 K Rock. Go Comets!